knows there's no God like Jehovah. Praise the Lord. People make money their God. They make politics their God. They make all kinds of things their God. But there's no God like Jehovah. Praise the Lord. Isn't it so wonderful to be in the house of the Lord tonight? We welcome you in the presence of God. I never, never really think about his presence and coming into it as Gentiles that how that we at one time were so far away from the presence of God that even the temple itself being built with an outer court which was called the court of the Gentiles that we were so low and so far out of the economy of God we couldn't even come in to where the outer court of the priests were but today we stand here baptized by the Holy Ghost right before the very throne of God himself. Amen. What a privilege. God bless you. Let's turn tonight, if you would, to the book of Nehemiah chapter 8. We greet you in the name of the Lord. <clears throat> those of you that are here present, those of you that are streaming with us tonight, pray the service will be a blessing to you and be able to minister to your needs. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 5. And Ezra opened the book on the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, Amen. Amen. With lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads. And worship the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also, Jeshua and Benai and Sherebiah, Jamin, Akub, Shebathiah, Hodijah, Messiah, Kelita, Azariah, Josabad, Hanan, Peliah, and the Levites caused the people to understand the law. And the people stood in their place. Now this is what true God-called ministry is sent for. It's not to make the preachers seem like that there's some great big something or another that's set up on a pedestal and they're to be nearly worshipped. No, that's not what they're sent for. They're sent to help you be able to understand God's Word more clearly. Not only God's Word, but sometimes the hidden part of the mystery of God about your life. Maybe a trial you're going through, a test you're going through. Now, once you notice how many that it mentions, now these are the only ones that were notable and that were mentioned. Remember last, from last Wednesday night, there was between 40 and 50,000 people that were gathered in this meeting. So all these ministers were sent out. Let's read in verse 8, and then we'll pray. So they read in the book, in the law of God, distinctly, and gave 
the sense and cause them to understand the reading. The word distinctly means to make distinct, declare, distinguish, separate, or clarify. So they wasn't just standing up and just reading and reading and reading and reading. Ezra did that. But here these other men were called to take that which was read and help the people to understand it, rightly dividing the word of truth, to clarify, to help them understand. Look at the word sense. It means and it, to engage the sense, which is insight and understanding. Understanding. How many knows we need more understanding? I mean, lots to be remembered tonight as we pray. <clears throat> I've got a couple of requests I'd like to make known to you tonight for both of my daughters, Alicia and Erica. Alicia is doing, doing some better, but she's still having some uh, things going on in her body, dealing with some uh, <clears throat> allergies, pretty severe, and uh, doctors still looking at regulating or medicine for her heart. So certainly appreciate you praying, praying for her. Erica took her first treatment, um, and it's, it's just basically wiped her out. It's just made her so, so weak. Her blood count, her white blood count was zero, um, <clears throat> a critical, critical level. Took platelets yesterday. They're better today, but her white blood count still at a critical level. Giving her fluids today, fluids tomorrow, fluids Friday, a shot today, a shot tomorrow, a shot Friday to help build up the white blood count. So we want you to remember her in prayer. Now, she took this at the doctors, um, several doctors actually, at what the doctors had prescribed. Um, I said it here before you and we prayed over it, but apparently the doctors has made um, a joint agreement that it was too much, too strong. Now, I'm not like some of you. I don't trust everything doctors say. I pray for doctors. Some people think, well, if you go to a doctor, you don't need prayer. I differ with you. If you go to a doctor, you better believe in prayer. Because remember, them same guys that help you may kill somebody else. So they admitted today that they gave her too much of it. So I've been praying for them that God would help them to know how much is enough. She told me the other day, she said, Daddy, I will not live through five more of these things. So... You just help us to pray for, pray for both of them, and we certainly would appreciate it. How many of you have a need, a request on your heart tonight? Those of you that are streaming at home or wherever you are, just hold your need and your request before the Lord as well. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, what an honor it is for us to be able to come into your presence, and Father, to be able to bow our heads to the dust of the earth from whence we were taken. Father God, we, like the people in the days of Ezra and Nehemiah, we say amen to your word. We bow our heads, we raise our hands, oh God, and we praise the great God. We don't pray to the God of money tonight. We don't pray to the God of this evil age. We pray to the great creator himself, who just happens to be our heavenly Father. We bring our needs before you, our request. I'm sure, Father, there's so many that are signified by the uplifting of the hands and those that we couldn't even see tonight, Lord. We bring them all before you. We're asking you, Lord God, that you would just help us. Father, we know if we look at it right, 
Our needs are opportunities for miracles. Our things that we go through, if we'll face it in the right way, it gives you the chance to be able to express your greatness. So we look at it that way tonight, and we pray that you would help us. As we endeavor to look into your word, I pray that you would help me to get out of the way. Father, may it not just be my desire tonight, but may it be my desire every time I stand behind a pulpit, whether it's before a handful or hundreds or thousands or whatever it is, may it be my desire every single time to try to bring enlightenment to the hearts of the saints, conviction to those that need to repent. Father, bring those who don't have the Holy Ghost to the threshold of being able to walk across that threshold of eternal life. Never to project me, never to build up an ideology, never, Lord God, to build up a man or point to a denominational something or another, but to bring sense to the Word that the people can understand who they are, what you've done for them, that they might be better people. Granted, I pray to now, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus. And the saints said, Amen. God bless you. you. You may be seated. So love you tonight in the Lord. No doubt for some of these people, it's the first time that they have heard directly from the law of God. Remember, many of them, most of them, by this count, Ezra was sent 14 years prior to Nehemiah. So you've got a mixture of generations. You've got some from the old generation that went down. You've got some of the next generation. And then by this time, you've got some that have been born in the land. Some of them, this is probably their first time of actually hearing the word read. Now, when they went down, we have no record that they actually were able to take the written portion of the Torah with them. To this very day, there's been no proven archaeological finds as to where the Ark of the Covenant and much of the treasures of the time of the temple were actually stashed away. Now, some think, of course, that it was under the administration of Jeremiah that they had dug some places down in under the temple and that they have hidden the ark there. They've hid this and that and the other, but there's actually never been any proof that I've been able to find to where that they know where it went. So neither is there any proof that they had one copy and another copy and another copy of the full manifestation of the Torah, as they call it, the law, where they were able to take it down. So it was committed to memory. But now remember by this time, you'd already had the divisions of the Jews to where that some of them only believe the first five books of Moses. Now think of this. They believe the first five books of Moses Moses only. So they call that the Torah, the Hebrew word for the law. Now think of how much they missed because they only believe Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. So the first five books of Moses was all they believed was inspired. 
So they did not have the book of Joshua. They did not have the book of Samuel, 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles. They did not have Zephaniah, Zechariah, Haggai, Malachi, none of those books. But some of those believe that even though the first five books of Moses were the law of God, that God also was still speaking after the giving of the Pentecost, as they called it, and that God still had inspired men that were his voice. So when they went down into the land of Babylon, they also took the book of Jeremiah. Now Jeremiah was not one of the first five books of Moses, but how awful it would have been for the Jews down in the land of Babylon who only believed the first five books of Moses and they would not take anything else other than that. But you see, the first five books of Moses did not prophesy about them going down into Babylon, and it did not prophesy about them coming out. But what prophesied about them going in? The prophet Jeremiah. And the same prophet Jeremiah that prophesied about them going in also prophesied they would come out. Now remember also when Daniel went down into the land of Babylon as a young man and his three friends with him as we know of the Hebrew children Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego they were identified as being spiritual so they were kept in the king's courts and they looked to them as wise men. Now they were actually part of an inner circle that was made up of astrologers and all types of people. Of course they did not practice that but they had a supernatural access to the one true and living God. But they did not just read the first five books of Moses. But Daniel was going down, remember, when he was down there seeking the wisdom of God, and the reason he was seeking God was because of the prophecy of Jeremiah. Wouldn't it be something if we as the people in this day only took, the say, the first four books of the New Testament? We'll only take Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So what if the first church age would have only took Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? They would have known hardly anything about church order. They wouldn't have hardly known anything about predestination since the word wasn't mentioned there. But think of what they would have missed by refusing the Pauline epistles and also those written by James and written by Peter and written by John the Beloved. So people that localize themselves and lock themselves even into certain portions of God's inspired word and refuse to accept the worst of the rest of it, they close them off from further advancement from the mind of God. I don't know about you, I want to be open to everything God says and everything God is doing. Well, I hope you understand that spirit ain't dead. It's right around the message of the hour. That's exactly right. That's why a lot of the folks think you don't need to go to church and you're a preacher because they think Brother Branham is literally God's voice. Well, I hate to bust your balloon, but Brother Branham never said that himself, actually. If you'll do a little study on Brother Branham's being God's voice, you'll actually find the prophet of God said when the angel of the Lord come in and that anointing moved down, then he said, I become God's voice to you, which meant his human voice was not literally the voice 
voice of God in every word that he said. As a matter of fact, if you'll study the message a little closer, you'll find out that's what confused even the disciples about the Lord Jesus. Because part of the time it was Jesus speaking and part of the time it was the Father speaking. Part of the time when Jeremiah would stand up, everything that Jeremiah said was certainly not thus saith the Lord or he wouldn't have had to say thus saith the Lord. Everything would have been thus saith the Lord and he didn't have to say thus saith the Lord. So the word here that the writer used in the book of Nehemiah in verse eight, the word distinctly, was to emphasize these men were not called to add to what was being read. They were not called to misread or to add a private interpretation, simply to make clear and make it understandable in the eyes of the people. Now, anybody that's got enough sense to be able to push play can sit and listen to the prophet and be able, if you got your Bible on tape or CD, you're able to push play on that as well. But that doesn't mean that you're called by God to put the word together. So God called out a five-fold ministry when he started his apostolic church. He started it with that and he will end it with the same. Is that right? But we realize everybody that's around the message will not be restored to the true and original apostolic faith, only the children. But there are people that are around this message that are nothing more than just message denominational people. And they've got their message denominational thing of the two souls, of the Perusia, of the seven thunders. It's no more than a denomination. It's no different than Baptist, Methodist, Church of Christ, Church of God, because if you don't believe what they believe, you're not going in, which proves you got a spirit of organization on you. Well, amen, Brother Donnie. So these men were called by God. So it is the duty of the men that stand in the pulpit, has been in every age, to bring the proper sense to Scripture. Now, we know it's not just taking Scriptures and linking them together on any given subject. All you got to do is do a Google search, and you're able to go to this website, that website, that website, where it's on salvation, water baptism, predestination, election, pre-incarnation what Christ is, on and on and on and on we could go. And we would find theologians, we'd find regular lay people, we would find people from all walks of life, and everybody's putting together a website and putting together scriptures. But it's not just even, well, they had so many scriptures in there. Well, they may have, but it doesn't mean that the consensus of the final say was exactly right. Because they're taking the word and applying it according to the way they see it. So if they don't see it right, then the end result is going to be wrong. And everybody, just because they can read and because they can study, does not mean that they're called of God and they're gifted of God to rightly divide the word of truth. And that's why God put it into God call men. Does this church still believe that? Well, good. Now, notice then what they're supposed to do, according to what Nehemiah said, was for them to be able to add this sense to the scripture. So they didn't just place it right, but they also added sense. Now, they're not to add nonsense, and they're not to use the word that Peter used whenever he said, or Paul, that they rest, W-R-E-S-T, which is twisting the scriptures. So they were not supposed to do that, but they're to add 
proper sense so that when the people read it, it will make the image of Christ more seeable in their own lives. So it's, it's placed there on everyday living. Oh, I'm so glad that it's that way. So is it possible for a man to stand up and say, make perfect sense out of whatever subject matter that he's saying, and yet be totally wrong? Could he use this scripture, that scripture, that scripture, this quote, that quote? Yes, because he could leave out this scripture, which totally would change that one. Now, if you didn't know any better and someone you was asking someone about water baptism, and you just come to the Lord, you never really studied the Bible, and someone was asking you, well, I'm thinking about getting baptized. We got two that's going to be baptized tonight, and say that they have not known the way, and they've not known their Bible, and they wouldn't just ask somebody. So I'm, I'm going to church tonight, and I'm going to be baptized. So what does the Bible say I should be baptized? And a person drags out their Bible, and they turn to Matthew 28, 19. And they would say, now right here is what the Lord Jesus said. You believe the Lord Jesus? Oh, I believe him with all of my heart. I love him and I, I believe him and he saved me. Well, right here is what the Lord Jesus said. He said, go therefore, make disciples of all nations, teaching them to follow me now and commanding them to be baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And say, now that's the way you're supposed to be baptized. So if you're going to be baptized tonight, if they don't say them words over you, they ain't doing what Jesus said. Now, if you didn't know Acts 2.38, you could go to a church somewhere and you could point out that scripture and tell that preacher, I want you to baptize me just this way. But now, even though that is word for word what the scripture says, that is not what the scripture says. Amen. Now listen. Word for word, that's what the words themselves say. But when you turn over to Acts chapter 2, verse 38, and here you've got men who were standing right there and heard the Lord Jesus say that, and they turn right around and go to baptizing people in the name of the Lord Jesus, surely you don't think they were directly disobeying the words of the Lord just some 50 days after he gave them, if that's what he meant for them to say. Brother Darrell, how can they do that because when they receive the Holy Ghost they receive the proper sense to Matthew <laughs> to Matthew telling them how to baptize and you remember Matthew wrote this after Jesus said it Peter was right there and heard what he had to say so when he got ready to baptize remember there was no Trinitarian belief at that time what is it that stumbles people today Peter heard that but it did not stumble him because the ideology of Trinitarianism was not born until the 4th century. So they did not struggle with it. Well, maybe some of you still do. And you try to ponder, well, how could it be? Remember, they were not Trinitarian. There was one God in the Old Testament. There couldn't be three in the New. If there was one in the Old Testament, one in the law, and it ended up as one in the book of Malachi, and you've got three beginning in Matthew 1, 1, you've got a problem. There was one God in the days of Moses. There was one in the days of Joshua. There's one in the days of Paul. And guess what? There's still one today. Not three, not four. He ain't cut up into three pieces. He's one God. 
So what did Peter do? He gave the correct sense to what Matthew was going to write. And yet theologians have debated about it for hundreds and hundreds of years and are still doing so today. Now, you know what's amazing, and I find it phenomenal, that God loves the written word. Oh my goodness, I got into something, I'm telling you what, uh, studying after the funeral service Monday night. Oh, uh, everything I can do to keep from preaching right here tonight. But I, I, I just found something so wonderful and so amazing. But let me share this with you tonight, that God loves the written word. And we know that God gave the Torah at the initial, let me say it this way, the Ten Commandments before the fulfilling of the, fulfillment of the Torah came, that God gave the Ten Commandments in the book of Exodus tells us that they were written by the very finger of God. So God can write, and God loves to write. Oh, my. I've got to drop this. But whenever he was made flesh on the earth, that same God that said, thou shalt not commit adultery in the Ten Commandments, they brought a woman to him caught in the very act of adultery. Amen. And what did that same God that wrote with his finger in the Old Testament do? He stooped down and wrote on the sand. What was he writing? A new book. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. What was he writing? He was changing the story of her life. It was, it was the same finger of God that wrote it there and he raised up and said, oh my, those of you that's without sin cast the first stone and he stooped back down as if, oh my, what's he doing? Continuing the story of her life that he had started. What did it begin? Why? Once upon a time. Hallelujah. Once upon a time. It was the same finger of God. I'll tell you, friend, God loves the written word but the written word must have the spoken word to bring the power of the written word into its fullness Amen. think of it the written word is awesome it is so awesome but you and I both know that we have prayed for things in our life and we've quoted the word and we should do it we should quote that word but you know it as well as I know that if the one who ever wrote that word speaks it out of your lips and makes that word live hallelujah why because it is the living voice of the living God Amen. Do you understand slavery in our nation and around the world would have never been abolished if it would have only been under a campaign of written word? Do you understand in our day when we have so many groups and everybody wants their lights. Black lives matter, blue lives matter, pink lives matter, green lives matter. All the lives matter. Well, what, what do they do though? What makes them more effective? A brochure or a voice? Why do they get out there and scream and holler and act like a bunch of idiots trying to get over their agenda? Because a spoken voice has more power to it than just handing somebody a track. Right. What will we do with most of them? We will trash them. Now, I tell you one thing, I believe we ought to get the message out, don't you? I believe we ought to hand out tracks, absolutely, do whatever we can do. But what will have even more power many times in a track is a lived voice. A lived voice. That's why the prophet said that's what Jeffersonville needs today is thousands of lived voices. That's a thunder that thunders out, he said. Amen. Now, here, Ezra read the word, and it's the word. It comes straight from the law. 
But isn't it amazing? Hearing it read did not give them understanding. Hearing it read did not liberate them. But it must be men that are inspired and are anointed and they embody the voice. They embody the message. And when they go to sharing it, all of a sudden, lights come on, eyes come open, hearts become changed. Why? That's the power of the spoken word. Why didn't God hand out tracts in the beginning to the universe? When there was nothing there. Why don't God just write it down, let there be? And then God started just publishing tracts out in the middle of darkness, out in the middle of nowhere, and there's nothing. But God didn't do it that way, did he? But what did God do? God spoke. God spoke. Oh, praise God. The herald's voice is more powerful than just handing out a written word. Now, we, we, we get sick and we get in trouble and we begin to quote the promises of God. Delight thyself also in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of thine heart. If you abide me and my words abide in you, ask what you will. If there's any to one earth or grace touching any one thing, it shall be done. I will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Now, we go to quoting scriptures and quoting scripture, but until the voice of the one who said it says it out of of us, oh glory, then when he says his word, it adds power and life. Oh my, the world, even the world out here has caught some of its greatest moments of inspiration by spoken words. Hallelujah. Look at Abraham Lincoln's Gettysburg Address. Pinning it down in just a few moments before it was going on. You know the thing about him? You know he was a Kentuckian. He was laughed at by a lot of people. But became one of America's greatest men. Is that right? And yet was able. My, he was defeated many times in politics before he come to the rise of power. But he kept trying because something was driving him. And you're standing and making that speech that is still studied to this day. And the linguistic ability and all that. Oh my, some of the fine scholars of the day might have said he should have said this here and that, there and that, there. But are they known for his speech or him known for theirs? Most of them ain't known for nothing. But they want to come and criticize a man that was able to make such a great thing. Come on, critics, it's easy to find. Oh, that's one thing I think. Folks who want to criticize a prophet for this and criticize him for that and what have you done for God people want to make fun of our prophet well he's this and that and the other well let me ask you something pal how many folks in your family said mistake you for the Lord Jesus whenever you get that many number that you're living with come and see me and we'll talk how many want a piece of your clothes how many want just to sit at your feet oh hallelujah how many would come to where you are as a woman come to the tabernacle and they thought Brother Branham was going to be there and she showed up at the wrong day and she was disappointed but she turned around and said just show me where the man has walked and if I'll go over to God and if I'll walk where the man has walked I will get well and you know what happened? She did. So let me see how many times that happens to you. Well, praise the Lord. Notice in verse 9, Nehemiah, which is the Tershatha, which means the governor, 
And Ezra the priest, the scribe, and the Levites that taught the people, said unto the people, this day is holy unto the Lord your God. Now, isn't it amazing that Nehemiah did not feel it was his post, his position to stand up and read the word. But when it come down, Nehemiah was right there expressing that. Now, brothers, you know, let's, let's do this and, and let's do that. You see, it's not just that the preachers are the only ones that to testify of the goodness of God. Some of y'all got a Facebook thing. Quit gossiping and start sharing testimonies. Why don't you quit criticizing and start sharing testimonies? Use that crazy Facebook for something that's good for something. Well, praise the Lord. Remember, every stupid Facebook post that you put up there, you're going to answer to God for. Ever type map for some people hang their laundry out of their family on their Facebook. They hang the dirty laundry of a church. What is the matter with people? They're out of their minds. Right. Well, come on. Why don't you post a scripture? Why don't you post some on joy? I need some. Why don't you post some on healing? Why don't you post some? If you're going to do it, make sure your post is heavenly because heaven has a record of it. So remember, all your Facebook posts, oh, you may delete them. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. Uh, they're still up there. Mm-hmm. You see, we find the people. Now watch what happens. The people, this day is holy unto the Lord your God. More not. Well, what's going on? The people are weeping. The people wept when they heard the words of the law, and yet they were responding, but with the wrong response. So they were weeping, and they were crying, and they were lamenting. Oh my. But the people needed to be taught how to respond. Uh-huh. So now was not the appropriate time to mourn and lament and cry but it was a time to have church. But instead, they had a funeral face. Oh my. Now, this is what the law does, of course. It brings the knowledge of sin. But the law cannot give us mercy. It only points out where we're wrong. Oh my. I believe sometimes we still need to be taught how to respond. Uh Uh-huh. The word of God does bring conviction. How many knows it does? Boy, it convicts, it tires our heart up, it sets us on fire. And it leads us to repentance. But after we've repented, let's rub in a little bit of oil. Praise God. Let's have a little bit of a joy. I want you to notice what David said in Psalms 19.8. The statutes of the Lord are right. Now, think of this. In our original state, being born as we were as mortals, lost without God. We fret, we wrestle with the commandments of God. And there's a twofold reason that I'd like to share with you why that is because that we rebel against the law of God, because it denies us certain gratifications and certain pleasures and certain things that we want to do. 
And the law of God says, no, you can't do that. No, I don't want you to do that. Now, that's one of the reasons why folks struggle with it, because it, it's so against what they want. And secondly, which is almost as important, if not more so, that we just by nature rebel against the law of one above us. Laodicea is full of this. Oh my goodness, we've got people rebelling against the police and rebelling against this and rebelling against that. Of course, they're getting paid for now. You know it as well as I do. A lot of these left-leaning liberal cities, now that some of these big, big shots are getting the cars stolen and getting this, that, and the other, they've decided they want police in their city. Oh my goodness, us Tennessee hillbillies knew that already. According to the book of Genesis, when the end time come in the days of Noah, it was violence was one of the signs of the end time. It is violence. I read just today when one of the mayors of the, of the left-leaning states is ready, has already released part of him, a thousand criminals out of prison, turning them out on the street just to let them go. Where are we, friend? We're in the days of prophecy. Look at Russia gathered over 100,000 troops on the border of Ukraine. You may not be but one bomb away from the rapture. All the world shaking in their boots. I say bring it on Putin. If this is it, the bride will leave this world before one bomb ever hits America. It may have America wrote on it, but my name ain't on it. Hallelujah. My name is on the Lamb's book of life. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we rebel by nature against the law of God because we don't want a will and a law above ours. <laughs> Why we want, we do not want the will of another asserting his will over us for our will will be supreme. That's why we gotta be born again. Then you become like this. The statutes of the Lord are right. The word statute means mandates, precepts, rules given to anyone to guide him. The statutes of the Lord are right. Now look at these peculiar words that David used. Rejoicing the heart. Rejoicing the heart. So this is what happens to a born again person when they hear the word. I don't know if you know this or not. But in ancient times, laws were put into verse. So some laws they would put into the form of poems. And some laws they would put into the form of songs. So they would go out instead of tacking this big thing on the wall, thou shalt not and thou shalt not, they'd go out and say, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not take thy neighbor's wife. And they just keep on singing them. And before long, you know how it is with a song, don't sit there and look at me like you know what I'm talking about. 
Some of y'all went through Walmart this week and heard an old ladies rock and roll song or a 90s rock and roll and you started remembering those words. Don't sit there and look at me like you don't know what I'm saying. Why? Because there's something about a song. So these men found out that if you convert the law, oh glory, into a song, it comes with mirth and it changes from being so burdensome. Don't you understand the difference between church natural and church spiritual? To church natural, the dad, the dude, and the don'ts and you can't go here and you can't do that. Oh, it's just laws. It's whip cracking. Oh my, you can't go oh, bunch of legalists but to the children of God. The law, the do's and the don'ts and the thou shalt and the thou shalt not has been turned into a love song. It's been turned into mirth. It's been turned into a love song. They do not hear a dictator telling them, you better not cut your hair. I'll fry your soul in hell. But they hear their lover whispering to them, thou shalt not cut thy hair. And she said, no, sir, I won't. Why? Because she loves the altar so much, she does not see a judge. She does not see him pounding on the desk. She hears the voice of her husband. The voice of the turtle dove. You see, when God's law becomes poetry and music to our hearts, it takes the drudgery of obedience away. Well, I've got to go to church tonight. Oh, my. If you paid our tithes this way, oh, dear God, we've got to give God 10%. You need that, that scripture turned into a song. Bring your tithes and your offerings to the house of God. Bring them unto me, saith the Lord. Hallelujah, Donnie Reagan, $150. Hallelujah, glory to God. There Ward writes his name at the bottom. He pays his tithes. You write your why? You're in the melody, brother. But if it's a law, oh my goodness. That would be a down payment on me a new boat. And the preacher's getting it. My tithes probably bought his tithe. They may have. Why? It's all law. It's all law. I can't go to movies no more. I can't drink. I can't cuss. What fun can I have? You ever tried talking in tongues? Have you ever tried getting so drunk on the Holy Ghost that you didn't know what your name was and you want to talk to me about fun? You see, when God's law, and Brother Dar, how could David say this? How could David say this? When most of what he heard and what he had was law, law, law. If David would have had the book of Ephesians, that man would have shouted himself to death. If he would have had the book of Romans and the book of Colossians and the book of Philippians and the book of Revelation, Lord have mercy, it ain't no wonder the Lord let him live in the Old Testament. That man would have tore down every church in the New Testament. Nobody could ever held him up. If, if the law did that, oh glory. And he said it rejoiced. 
start. You see, God's law is the expression of God's nature. And it becomes the object of our love once we fall in love with the author. You see, the more clearly we perceive the nature of the divine law of God, the more we fall in love with him. And then we look at it and say, wow, it's not really asking that much. People on the outside of the walls look up and say, hey, you're in a prison. We look out and take our harp and say, oh, no, I'm not. Oh, no, I'm not. Oh, no, oh, no, I'm not. And they're thinking, they're on something. It's that Gatorade. No, this is body armor. It's body armor spiked with something. We're spiked, all right, but it ain't with body armor. It's with the Holy Ghost. You see, friend, this is why we will never be able to convince people that are not born again, that we're not made to quit drinking. We're not made to not smoke. Our young people are not made to quit doing this and that. They fell in love with the author and they're singing his song. Praise God. A growing love turns law into music. Wow. Farther along we'll know all about it. Farther along we'll understand why. I never heard that song sung right until I heard our brother Joel Brown sing it. Then it actually come from a legalism and from an old beaten down broken spirit to farther along we know all about it. It was from the heart of somebody that knew him. From the heart of somebody that loved him. And they wasn't just counting their burdens, they were counting their blessings. I'll tell you one thing, brother, sister, when you fall in love with him, he turns your mourning into dancing. He takes your clothes that were ashes and he tries transforms them and gives you a garment of praise. You see what is painful to dry reasoning is made light with the manifestation of it becoming song. It's just dry and it's burdensome and it's difficult. Every act of obedience, you know, makes, when you're in love, every act of obedience makes the next one more easy. Instead of drudgery, I give up my drinking, save your cirrhosis of the liver. I give up my smoking, lung cancer, esophageal cancer. I give up my marijuana, being crazier than what you already are. And you think that's a sacrifice? You think that's a sacrifice, giving up a lifestyle like that? <sighs> but once you fall in love with him, then he goes to putting them things there and say, oh, praise God. 
Oh, it gets sweeter as the days go by. And people look at you and say, you are crazy. You've got the office bunch of problems. You've got the office bunch of difficulty. You've got this and that and the other since you've been a Christian. I know. I know. But think, if it wasn't for him, I might have even that much trouble or more living for the devil, and I wouldn't have nobody to go to. Because the devil don't love his kids. The devil don't promise, I'll never leave you, and I'll never forsake you. I'll never let more come upon you than what you're able to bear. But my brother, sister, when my Lord Jesus does, he's able to take that burden and that cross, and he transforms it into something, and the rest of the world looks at you like you're crazy, and you're saying, oh, sweet Jesus. Come take me away, Lord. Come take me away. Praise God. David said not only that, but it's enlightenment. Oh my, the commandment of the Lord is pure and enlightening the eyes, giving light and knowledge and understanding. Where to go, what to do. That's what the real word does. Notice Jeremiah 15, 16. Thy words were found, and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. For I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. Well, all I can say is it's a good thing Jeremiah didn't go to Happy Valley Church. If he got all tore up about the law, been doing that, my Lord, what would he do when Harry and some of his other brothers sing? I imagine Jeremiah, if he'd been here, little David been here at the beginning, just the forefront of five or seven minutes, whatever it is, when these brothers start playing that music and the anointing of the Holy Ghost goes to coming down, everybody said, oh Lord, there's David again. He'd been dancing around, turning somersaults. My, that man wouldn't have been something. Why? Because if that law did that to him, what would the covenant of grace done to us? I know, friends, we're going through hard time but if you receive it tonight the Lord God wants to give us a little more instruction on how to respond to the word you're not responding by sitting there looking at me back in your eyes you gotta respond by saying amen preach it brother raising your hand sometimes getting so excited that you stand up and you take your sign and say I want hell to know I want the devil to know I want everybody in the church to know I believe the word believe the word. The word is right. It enlightens my eyes. It brings joy to my heart. Healing to my body. Oh, glory! It isn't enough to read the word. It isn't enough to receive the word. As others expound on it. But we must rejoice in the word. Now look, what a great thing had happened. They heard the word read. They received the word. But it still wasn't climaxed because they were rejoicing wrong. They were expressing the wrong emotion. God wanted them not only to say amen, but God wanted them to rejoice in the word. Notice it mentions nothing about guitars, harps, nothing, no instruments whatsoever. God wanted them to rejoice in the word. Oh, my, don't you love him? Ain't he so good to us? 
You see, when the word of God is looked at in the right way, it's like finding a treasure. Now, can you imagine a pirate landed in the United States years ago? He makes his way down through Tennessee. He comes up to Boone's Creek, and he finds a big field out there in the middle of nowhere, and he stashes his gold. Somebody goes in there and builds a subdivision. You're out there planting your wife rose bush. You don't even like roses, but you've done it. But you go to digging and you hit something peculiar and strange down there, and all of a sudden you go to digging up gold and silver and rubies and pearls. And of course, because most of you are not emotional. What a mess. Now I guess I'll have to turn this in on my W-2. Why me? Don't sit there and look at me like y'all are St. Michael or somebody. We've got a Michael here in this church, but believe me, he ain't St. Michael. So you've dug up all this gold. My, there might even be a little platinum in there, my little bit of rhodium, or this or that or the other. Your brothers know about all that. Oh my goodness. This is awful. This is dreadful. Most of us will be. I'm going to the pound and buy me a pit bull and chain him right here. You'd go in the house, wife! We're getting a new car. (laughs) We're getting this, we're getting that. Why? You found a treasure that just made you a millionaire. Lord God, children, I wish to God we'd spend more time reading in our Bible. I wish we'd spend more time reading in the message of the hour and you'd find a treasure here and a treasure there about healing and a treasure about victory over the setting sin. That's worth more to you than making you a millionaire a hundred times over. Notice this Nehemiah 8.10. Then he said unto them, Go your way. Eat the fat. Now he didn't say eat and become fat, but eat the fat. And drink the sweet. And send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. What is this? This is not a common meal. It's a feast. Praise God. A feast consisting of the richest provisions. From where the word, the word is just opened up and now they're supposed to act like they've been to church. I know sometimes, I know, I know, I know. It's hard. We leave out of here and we're, where you been? Church? You always look like that. Sometimes I look worse. Oh, you go to skirt church. Yeah, yeah. Or you can go out of here and say, praise God. I'm a son. He wore me out. I'm a daughter. He wore me out. 
I'm a child. He loves me. He don't crack serpents, see, but he does his own. He must love me so much he took me up to the whipping post and beat that old worldly thing come out of me. He wouldn't let me hide sin in my life. He wouldn't let me live a hypocritical life. He anointed that man of God and he looked at me like wild lion eyes and it convicted me plumb down to my soul. I walked in there, bam, but I'm walking out free. I walked in there with a besetting sin, but I'm walking out free tonight. Hallelujah. Notice this. Oh, glory to God. Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, send portions to them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is a holy, holy unto our Lord. Neither be ye sorry for the joy of the Lord is your strength. I wonder if there's anybody honest enough here tonight to say in the last two years you've had some of the greatest battles against your joy that you've ever had. COVID didn't just take our health. It didn't just take some of our memory and bring all kinds of other things. It's robbed a lot of us of a lot of spiritual things. It's robbed us of time together. It's robbed families. COVID is dividing families. It's dividing churches. Families are arguing about vaccinated or unvaccinated, mask or not mask. They're debating about this. Ain't you got enough spiritual sense to know where that come from? That's burst right out of hell itself. It ain't nothing but the devil trying to divide us and get us to fuss and argue. Look, friends, the rapture is right upon us. The coming of the Lord is more prevalent than COVID. Amen. The joy of the Lord. Do we believe this? Well, let me ask you, if you were the devil and you heard this scripture and you knew it was truth, what would you do to try to affect the people of God? Rod them, not of money. Not rob them of more financial opportunities, but rob them of their joy. You steal their joy, you've got their strength. Not your memory, not your ability to quote the prophet, not your ability even to quote scripture, but your joy. Notice what Solomon said in Proverbs 15, 13. A merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance. Merry means joyful, glad. But by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. Don't you understand? This is the very way Artaxerxes was able to read Nehemiah's spirit and knew there was something wrong. Nehemiah had been before him for years, and he was the cupbearer. Every day he would come in, they had a certain posture about him, a certain way they behaved. But Nehemiah, this day was so overwhelmed, and the sadness reflected from the brokenness in his spirit. And Artaxerxes looked at him and said, why are you so sad today? Why? His merry heart had been so broken. Oh my. And what did it come from? Exactly as he said. A merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance. But by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. Proverbs 15, 15. All the days of the afflicted are evil. But he that is of a merry heart 
Praise God. Has a continual feast. How many of y'all, some of y'all feel like you've been on a fast instead of a feast when it comes to being married? I ain't got nothing to be happy for. You got breasts, ain't you? You got a lot, but so many things has happened to me. I understand, friends, that we've had so many things to happen to us. But remember, if we cannot trust the sovereignty of our God, we might as well one quit and go home. If we cannot believe the words of the prophet of God that God brought us on the earth and the devil cannot take us until God is done, we might as well quit, eat, drink, and be merry and just be lost. I believe our God has our life in control. And if need be, God will override our stupidity. God will override our ignorance. Oh, you say he won't do it. He done it in the days of Abraham when Abraham lied about his wife and the king should have got her. God said, oh no, I'm stepping in to override. He overrode in the days of Isaac. He overrode in the days of Jacob. He overrode in the days of William Branham when he climbed up the pole and was going to put his hands on the pole and take his own life. The sovereignty of God overrode Brother Branham's choice. Why? I needed a seventh angel messenger. You needed a Malachi 4 message. Wow. All the days of the afflicted are evil. But he that is of a merry heart has a continual feast. I'm talking about foolishness now. I ain't talking about just joking, joking, joking. A lot of folks, a lot of folks that joke, oh my, if you knew behind the joking part, they're just as sad as anybody else. And then when they get sad, they really are down. But he that has a merry heart, where's it coming from? He's feasting from within his own walk with God. His own experience. So whenever, everywhere you look around you, they ain't hardly no joy, they ain't hardly no peace. But this individual has a continual feast. Praise God. So how you doing? If it gets any better, I'll just tell you one thing. You're about afraid to say that anymore. People think, dear God, he's taking something. Wonder who his doctor is. He's got some kind of script. He's got, he's got a little jerk about him. Yeah, it's the Holy Ghost. It ain't because I'm addicted to anything but Jesus. I am addicted to that. They enjoy life in spite. Of its circumstances. I don't care how bad you are tonight. If you look within 30 minutes or so, I guarantee you, you'll find all kinds of people worse shape than you are. But Brother Donnie, they ain't give me but 20% chance to live. That's 20% more than Lazarus had. That's a whole lot more than Florence Nightingale had. What'd she weigh? 47 pounds, something like that? No hope. She didn't come to the prophet of God but pray for her to be healed. She asked him to pray for God but let her die. But he said, sent on a commission to pray for the sick. I didn't feel like I could pray that God would let her die. Brother sent me a quote today. Brother Branham praying for a woman there in the tabernacle. And he said, her family's sitting here. And he said, this lion of cancer has attacked this sister's body. (laughs) 
And he said, but I come against this lion in the name of the Lord Jesus. And I take this daughter away from this lion. L-I-O-N. I take this daughter away from this lion. Praise be to God. Oh, hallelujah. You see, cheerfulness of spirit has a great effect on the body and contributes to much about the health and the happiness of the body. Well, praise the Lord. A cheerful heart translates into two Hebrew words, and that is a happy heart. So this, notice in the scripture here where he says this, oh my, that it is like a merry heart has a continual feast. In Proverbs 17, 22, a merry heart doeth good. Whoa. Wonder if I could go to Walgreen tomorrow and give them this script. Sure. And ask them if they could fulfill this script. Sure, for me. A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. I don't mind telling you, I need a dose. Oh, I can tell by looking at some of y'all. Y'all got so much joy right now, you just can't hardly sit still. I figure y'all need about as much as I do, and some of you act like you need more. Did you notice? It's not by knowledge. It's not by how high you can jump, but it comes from where? A merry heart. Don't you understand Daniel prophesied of this day and said the enemy would come and wear out the saints. Don't you understand what COVID is? It goes from one type to another type to another type. Now they found another version. Omicron found another version. Don't you understand what it's doing to people? It's wearing them down and wearing them down and wearing them down. I think we need to stand up right in the middle of Omicron and say, you stinking rotten devil. Go back to hell where you come from. Jesus is greater than Delta. He's greater than Alpha. He's greater than all Omicron. He's greater than all of itself. Satan, you ain't getting my joy. Hallelujah. We can't go to Walgreens and get this medicine. We've got to go to the Lord Jesus. A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. But a broken spirit drieth the bones. Ah. Isn't it amazing? The only place the word medicine appears in the Old Testament, right here. And it ain't associated with penicillin. Some of you, boy, you're so faithful to your doctor's script. Won't you take this script and fulfill it? We gotta have uppers, we gotta have downers, we gotta have middle of the dayers, we gotta have noon timers, we gotta have everything in the world to do this and that and other. Here lays the simple power of the Word of God right here in our Bible. And either it's the truth or if it ain't the truth, we might as well stop serving God. But if it is the truth, somebody in here ought to be willing to not to say, God, I want it. God, I want it with all of my heart. A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. Praise God. WebMD says, worrying is feeling uneasy or being overly concerned about a situation or problem. 
With excessive worrying, your mind and body go into overdrive as you constantly focus on what might happen. In the midst of excessive worrying, you may suffer with high anxiety, even panic during waking hours. Many chronic worriers tell a feeling, a sense of impending doom or unrealistic fears that only increase their worries. That sounds like a rotten devil out of hell to me. So he gets you to worry and then you go to worrying about your worry and then you worry more about your worry and then they did about your initial worrying and then you worry because you're worrying about your worry which is worrying about your worry before and then you drive yourself totally out of your mind and the Lord Jesus said, I've come children that you might have peace. I've come that you might have joy but don't look for it to be at Dollywood. You won't find it. It'll only break your little temporary happiness. You go here and you go there searching for a little bit of rest. Oh children, it ain't gonna be found in Disney. It ain't gonna be found in Wally World. It can only be found in God's Word. Notice ultra sensitive to their environment and to the criticism of earth others. Excessive worriers may see anything and anyone as a potential threat. Chronic worrying can affect your daily life. So much it may interfere with your appetite, your lifestyle habits, relationships, sleep, and job performance. Many people who worry excessively are so anxiety-ridden that they seek relief in harmful lifestyle habits such as overeating, cigarette smoking, or using alcohol and drugs. It's unbelievable the amount of people, the amount of liquor, increased sales in liquor since COVID. The divorce rate has exploded. God knows we didn't need an explosion in America. It's already bad enough. But men and women were stuck together more than they had been in years. And they realized, I don't even like her, much less love her. Quarantine can be a good thing if you love that man. Boy, I can't imagine being hung up with some of them, can you? Divorce has went through the roof. Drug abuse, why? They can't take it. The future is uncertain. Our nation has never been as shaky as it is right now. We got Putin breathing right down. Why? Because we got a weak White House. Why do we have a weak White House? Because we had weak pulpits for decades. That's why. And America turned down God's prophet. And China's watching to see our response. Brother Donnie, ain't you terrified? I am not. Because before they ever do one thing, praise God, the bride will go flying out of this world. Look at anxiety. How does anxiety influence your health? Throat troubles. That croaky, squeaky voice that seems to have possessed your vocal cords is your immediate reaction to a stressful situation. Liver reactions, skin reactions, an overactive spleen, tense muscles, your heart, your lungs, your brain, your immune system, your stomach. What about stress? I mean, I'm, nobody here, of course, has stress, but there's some poor people that really deal with a lot that string these services. You poor, stressed out people. I'm going to be reading this for you, okay, you little darlings. 
Because these people here, they don't know stress. They'd pray more if they really did. They'd read their Bibles more. They'd come to church more often. This is the greatest stress relief in the world. Common effects of stress. Indeed, stress symptoms can affect your body, your thoughts, and feelings, and your behavior. Being able to recognize common stress symptoms can help you manage them. Stress that's left unchecked can contribute to many health problems, such as high blood pressure. Isn't it amazing? You take as many high blood pressure pills as you want to, but until you address stress, anxiety, and all these other things, you're only adding something to try to curb the side effect. You need to go to the cause. Stress. Stress. To be continued. If you want to hear the other parts, you got to come back. My Mayo Clinic says some of the chronic effects of stress on your body headache, muscle tension or pain chest pain, fatigue, sleep problems, stomach upset, on your mood, anxiety, restlessness, lack of motivation or focus, feeling overwhelmed, irritability or anger, sadness or depression, on your behavior, overeating or undereating, angry outburst, drug or alcohol misuse, tobacco use, social withdrawal, exercising less often. Wow. COVID was just described, wasn't it? Plus Laodicea, plus the last days. And Brother Donnie, you mean to tell me, and after all this that you've read, you expect us to have joy? No, 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 no. Uh-uh. Don't misunderstand me. It's not me that's expecting you to have joy. It's him. If we ever break into it, there's no reason why we cannot. Because he said, my joy, I give you. If we can ever learn in the midst of difficult, terrible times to let his joy flow through us, it will be a healing medicine. And you know how it is when you find a good pill and it helps you or whatever, you can't wait to share it with sister so-and-so. And then you, you'll never believe I found this pill. It is helping my gout. I'm telling you what. I found this patch. And you, oh my goodness, you can't wait though. You get it on Facebook. I'm telling you people, I ain't making nothing off of this, but this helped me and this done. Well, if that does, what about this joy? This medicine. It puts you in a continual feast. And people look at you and say, how can they do that? They're going through such hell. How can they stand above it? They're feasting. Yeah. David said it this way. Psalm 1611. Thou will show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. Fullness of joy. How many wants more in your life? How many would like to go with me tonight to the great house of God's provided way 
and you need a little medicine, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. Most of us have went through so much stuff in the last couple of years. Sadness, depression, anxiety. Psychologists, psychiatrists are saying that what has happened during the time of COVID is going to have such an effect on the people. They say they will be decades in seeing the effect of what it's going to have on people. Even on the kids. They're saying that the next generation of kids missing these last two years of in-school learning are not going to be the same as their mothers and fathers because it's had such an effect. Suicide rates increasing around the world. People feeling they have nothing to live for. But a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. Open your mouth. Open your mouth. Jesus wants to give you a good dose tonight. It won't be like castor oil. It won't be like some of the horrid stuff I used to take my grandmother. Bless her heart. She had a Kentucky remedy for everything in the world you got. And the older you got, the more you learned to not mention anything about what was wrong with you. Because after taking some of mom's remedies, you realize you're sicker afterwards than you was before. Ain't that right, Harry? So some of the stuff that mom would come up with, you'd just say, no, brother, man, remember himself talking about coal oil? Whenever they'd get the croup, you know what coal oil is, kerosene? They would take kerosene and mix it with sugar? Oh, yeah. Oh, I can tell you some remedies that I've took in my life. I am a walking miracle right here tonight. <laughs> but the Lord's medicine, friends, it ain't like this. It won't backfire, and he's never issued too much the way the doctor's issued to Erica. The way some of you have been issued too much from this and that and that. The Lord Jesus knows exactly how much to issue you. And you may say, oh God, I need it all tonight. It might overwhelm you tonight, so he might just give you just a little spot of it. Just a little spot, and then a little more tomorrow, and then a little more tomorrow. And then first thing you know, by Sunday, he said, praise God. I hadn't even noticed it, but I'm feeling so much better. What was it? It was the script from the doctor. But he didn't bomb you out. He just gave you just a little eyedropper and a little bit more and a little bit more. And he began to cure your spirit that was broken. And then you found something left in life to smile about. Those of you that have lost loved ones, you've got a reason to live. Some of you, your husbands were taking your children, your wife. You think, I got nothing to live. You do. The Lord Jesus left you here. He makes no mistakes. Right. If he left you here, he left you here for a purpose. But I'll never make it through. Maybe not by yourself, but with him you will. Amen. With him you will. Yes. Open your mouth tonight and swallow a little bit of his medicine. Oh, praise God. You know as well as I do. I said sometimes I'm getting my oil changed there at the old change place in Johnson City. And I'll pick up a Time magazine or Newsweek or whatever it is. You sit there and you thumb through it, you know. And you see they're advertising this, this prescription drug, whatever it is. It does this and this and this and this. And then two following pages are the side effects. Yeah. Yes. I mean, you really got to be encouraged to take page one in order to take page two and three together with it. Well, Jesus has no pages of side effects other than it might cause extreme joy. And it might cause extreme jubilation. And every now and then it'll make you speak in a language that you never learned and you don't understand. And it might cause you to act like you are drunk. Praise be to God. Praise God.
Don't you love him? I'm going to be honest with me tonight. Say, Lord, I need a good dose of joy. I need it, Lord. I'm honest. I'm not doubting your word. It's not that I don't appreciate what you've done for me. I've just been through so much, Lord. A merry heart. I need a merry heart, Jesus. My heart feels so heavy, you might say. My heart feels so troubled. It ain't no wonder Satan's trying to make you feel that way. He's trying to take your medicine. So if you remove a merry heart and you've got a brain full of great scriptures and quotes and you're so smart, you're brilliant, you're just so brilliant, you can still be so sad. Brilliance does not bring happiness. Brilliance is not a medicine. A merry heart is. Lord God, in the name of Jesus Christ, I offer prayer for your people. Lord, not just these few hundred that are standing here tonight. But dear God, this sermon will go around the world. I pray for my brothers and sisters in India. I pray for them in the Philippines. Some of them not been able to have church for months. Lord, I pray for them in different parts of the world, of Europe and around, where they've not been able to assemble. Some of them have lost their joy. They've lost the peace in their heart. Dear God, some of them have lost a loved one during this thing. Lord, some of them, they've, they've just been through such hard times and they don't feel like a merry heart is nowhere in sight and their medicine is gone. Lord, I know for people who are dependent upon blood pressure medicine or this or that or the other, Lord, it, it can be life-threatening. It can be life-threatening if they don't take their medication. Lord, that's the way we are with a merry heart. If Satan takes our script away from us, we come to church anyway and we read our Bible and we still listen to tapes, but it becomes more of a drudgery. Oh, we need our med back, Lord. We need our med back. Oh, Jesus. We're all familiar with the drive-through. Lord, maybe there's some here tonight they are not even got enough strength to even pull up to your drive-through and they say, can I help you? And we give our name and they ask for our birthday. Maybe we haven't even got enough strength. Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh, uh. Oh, Jesus. If we can't come to you tonight, would you come down to us? The Bible says that you would arise with healing in your wings. That must have been for those that were so weak that they weren't even able to get out of bed. They were so weak, they didn't feel like they could even come to church. But you arose with healing in your wings and you flew as it were right to their bedside. Glory be to God. In the name of Jesus, may you go to the sick and the afflicted tonight. May you go to the brokenhearted. Father God, I speak the name of Jesus over the sick and the visible audience and invisible. May those that are weary and down it may not be at the start, but just in a little eyedropper full. But may they open their little weak mouth, as it were, and just a few drops of a merry heart start coming in. Maybe they smiled all day long, but now they started feeling something stir up on the inside. 
Praise God. All they can do is just barely, barely get out a smile, but they know the script is going to be delivered. Praise God. Lord Jesus, I pray for healing. I pray for deliverance. I pray for the heavy-hearted. Lord God, how I thank you for visiting my precious little friend, my brother, Brother Tim. Lord, a few weeks ago down at his service there on that Wednesday night, Father, and you just come down and visit him in a special way. You text me and Brother Ron the next day telling us what you'd done for him, Lord, and how you just helped him to accept Sister Karen's passing. Because he's immortal like all the rest of us. He missed her so bad. and Just going through that sadness in his heart. And Oh, Lord, I thank you for healing my little brother. Lord God, maybe there's some here tonight that's going through a similar thing. Hallelujah. May the healing of the joy of the Lord. Oh, God, how many have we lost, fathers? We say lost. Oh, Lamb of God, may your healing come by their way, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. May you drop that in their hearts tonight, Father. May you whisper that script. Hallelujah. It was my will to take him. It was my will to take her. Rejoice. It won't be long. You're going to meet him. Hallelujah. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy will come in the morning. Praise God. Blessed be the Lord God Most High. Praise the Lord. We've got a brother and sister that's going to be baptized tonight if they'll come and prepare for that. Let's just open our hearts right now for a few minutes. Oh my, the Lord ain't done here, so don't think we're finished. Praise the Lord. Bring a little script in your hand, friends. You say, Brother Donnie, what are we talking about? The script, that scripture right there. This is your personal script from Dr. Jesus. Amen. Amen. A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. There's your script. If you're sad, it's got your name on it. A merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit drives the bones. No doubt some of you have been feeling so dry, just so dehydrated. Erica's been going through some things in the last few days and her head just throbbing. I took her to the oncology place the other day and I was fixing to drop her off and she said, Daddy, I can't get out. I can't get out. My head, my head. So I pulled over in the parking lot and I started praying for her. And the head just come and just really strange, weird things. But they told her today, you're dehydrated. You're so severely dehydrated. That's the way some of us are spiritually. We're so severely dehydrated. Oh God, I can't go on. Oh no, Lord. Oh no, Lord. You need your script refill, friends. You need a little more Mary in your heart. Oh, glory to God. How many of you tonight just be honest before the Lord, Lord? This was for me tonight. You call my name, Lord Jesus. It was for me. Praise God. I, I don't think he'd send it to us and not be willing to help us to you. If you would, if you feel comfortable in doing so, would you just lay your hand on one feather? 
Let's offer a word of prayer. Hallelujah. Now you're not praying for yourself. You're praying for them. Dear God, I imagine if we knew the intents of these needs in this place tonight, it would so alarm us. Maybe some on the verge of turning away. Some on the verge of feeling like they're about to collapse mentally, psychologically, physically. Oh, Jesus, arise tonight with healing in your wings. Maybe a line of cancer, a line of remaining COVID symptoms, a line of depression, an old line of sadness. Lord God, we don't have much to bring, but we bring our little slingshot of faith. We're going after that enemy. Praise God. Lord Jesus, would you minister healing, strength. Lord God, David got to a spot one time. He said, Lord, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. The prophet quoted it and said he hadn't lost his salvation, but he just lost his joy. Help us, Father. We're living in such stressful times. I often think about your children in the days of the early martyrdom. They were killing them, they were crucifying them, they were burning them at the stake. Husbands losing their wives, wives losing their husbands and their children. What a terrible, saddening time it must have been. You gave them joy, you gave them peace, you've done something for them to help them, Lord. Lord, we're not facing them times, but we are facing difficult times. We call on you tonight, Lord Jesus. For those of us that are able to drive up to the windows would say, we'll do everything we can, but maybe we're, we're praying right now for a brother or sister. They don't feel like they've got enough strength to even make it to the window. Lord God, would you come down, Father, and just minister. Strength, joy, healing. Oh, grant it, Lord God. We worship you, Lord Jesus. You're our joy. You're our peace. You're our healing. Hallelujah. You've broken down the middle wall of partition. You are our peace tonight, Lord Jesus. Oh God, may the sadness and the depression and the heaviness of heart be lifted off of your people. Lord, as I'm in contact with them around the world and I hear it from India to the subcontinent of, of India and Africa, Lord, all over the world, your children feeding these things. Father God, visit your bride. Oh, Lamb of God, visit your bride, I pray. Lord Jesus, we're not asking for a world-shaking revival. We're just asking you to shake yours. Deal with yours, Lord. Encourage your spirit. Lift her, Father, I pray. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. Praise God. Sing a little something there. Brother Darrell finishes praying for him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord God. Oh, Jesus. You're my provider. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You are more than enough for 
that word tonight. Let the fire fall. You know, medicine comes in all forms. There's pills, IV form, liquid form, aerosolized. Tonight, maybe can we just have a little rainfall? Can you just pray that that tonight? I don't know about you, but I heard my pastor say two times tonight, he could really use a dose of joy. Does that move your heart? It moves my heart. Let's pray tonight for a special blessing for our pastor. Can we do that? And we continue that this week. Let's sing this tonight together. Lord, we are the ones called by your name. We humble ourselves now as we pray. sin and wicked ways. We lift our voice, we seek your face and
Let's just go tonight. Remember the services this weekend. Let's be in prayer for one another. Pray for our pastor, certainly Erica with the treatments. Let's just remember that situation. Let's just sing this as we go. Everybody will be happy over there. Everybody will.